Chapter One of the Autobiography of Moncure Conway, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One. The lonely corner of the world where I was born, seventeen March eighteen thirty-two, is in Stafford County, Virginia, about fifteen miles from Falmouth. My parents were Walker Peyton Conway and Margaret Eleanor Daniel, married in eighteen twenty-nine he being then twenty-four, she twenty-two. I was their second child. The name of my birth-house, long gone to decay, was Middleton, chosen, no doubt, by my mother, whose great-grandfather, Dr. Gustavus Brown, so named his American residence in Maryland, after the family homestead near Dalkeith, Scotland. This physician, Laird of Mainside, settled in charles county maryland in seventeen o eight and by his second wife the widow margaret boyd nay Falk, of staffordshire had two children dr gustavus brown of rose hill and margaret who married the hon thomas stone of maryland signer of the declaration of independence thomas and margaret stone resided near port tobacco in a mansion called Harve de Venture, and had two daughters, one of whom, Mildred, married Travers Daniel, Jr., of the Virginia legislature, the other, Margaret, his brother, Dr. John Moncure Daniel, U.S.A., my mother's father. The father of these brothers, Travers Daniel, of Crow's Nest, had married Frances Moncure, daughter of Reverend John Moncure, whose wife was Frances Brown, daughter of Dr. Gustavus Brown of Rose Hill. The Moncures were of French origin, the family, according to tradition, having been swept into Great Britain by the troubles following the Reformation, with which they sympathized. My great-great-grandfather, John Moncure, went to Virginia, 1733, from County Kincardine, Scotland, the name in scotland is moncure and supposed to be from moncare the coat of arms being three hearts i suspect the name of having been bestowed symbolically by some assembly of french protestants on their warm-hearted pastor one of john's daughters anne married my great-grandfather walker conway whose first name was borne by my father I am thus descended from two of the old rector's daughters, and whenever I enter France, feel the heraldic hearts bounding in me. The Daniel family, connected by Hayden with the Daniels of Wigan, County Lancaster, England, first appear in Virginia in 1634. They had large grants of land, were generally professional men, and active in the affairs of the colony my great-great-grandfather peter daniel when presiding justice of stafford county announced to the governor of virginia that he would resign his office rather than administer the stamp act a step rendered unnecessary by its repeal his wife was daughter of rayla travers by his wife hannah ball half-sister of washington's mother the founder of our Conway race in Virginia was Edwin, who, with his wife, nay Martha Eltonhead, 
came from England in 1640 and settled in Lancaster County. He was a kinsman of Viscount Edward Conway of Conway Castle and Killelta, and used the arms sable on a band argent coatest ermine a rose gules between two annulets of the last crest a moor's head side-faced proper banded round the temples argent and azure motto fide et amore the virginia race is extensive and has intermarried with most of the historic families of virginia virginia democracy forbade us to derive from our ancestors any dignity but now and then a few fruits fell from the forbidden family tree in the shape of anecdotes or traditions which i picked up several of these related to the precious stones of maryland as my mother fondly called them the first of that family in america william stone had come to virginia and was induced by lord baltimore to become the governor of maryland where he arrived in sixteen forty nine this selection was made because the catholic proprietary desired a protestant governor free from prejudice against catholics governor stone's task was to open the doors of maryland to all religions the puritans flocked to maryland but cromwell's commissioners sent to virginia claimed maryland and in trying to defend the charter of the proprietary sixteen fifty five governor stone was wounded and thrown into prison and would have been executed but quote, was after saved by the enemy's own soldiers Close quote. such is the account of his wife verlinda stone whose narrative of these events in maryland addressed to lord baltimore in england is not only a document of historical importance but written with notable literary ability the error of the governor and council was that they went to parley with the invaders accompanied by a small party of soldiers the messengers they sent were held the protector's commission ought simply to have been asked for their authority by the governor himself unarmed his descendants became leading men in maryland thomas stone signer of the declaration of independence was maryland's darling statesman in his home at port tobacco harve de venture still in the family nineteen o three he drafted a republican constitution for maryland thomas stone was elected to the constitutional convention of seventeen eighty seven but never took his seat just then his fair sky was fatally overcast his young wife died from the sequels of inoculation he sank into melancholy and his physician persuaded him to visit europe for that purpose he engaged passage on a packet at alexandria but on the eve of sailing died of a broken heart trumbull in painting the signing of the declaration of independence has engraved on the american mind a scene that never occurred the congress never having signed in a body but in a straggling way through seven or eight months trumbull has also included the portrait of a livingstone who did not sign and omitted that of thomas stone who did sign the artist excused this by saying 
that he could not find stone's portrait but he could have found it by inquiring for the signer's heirs the portraits of thomas stone and his wife were carried by their daughter margaret to virginia when she married my grandfather and by my mother's gift they now belong to my sister mildred the wife of dr f a march of lafayette college easton pennsylvania my grandfather dr john moncure daniel while studying medicine and surgery in edinburgh made the acquaintance there of a boarding-school girl miss niven daughter of an english naval officer the youth called on her several times in the free virginian fashion but discovered that this young lady's name had been compromised by his visits thereon he promptly proposed to marry her and as she was already enamoured and her lover's social credentials were excellent no difficulty arose in edinburgh but crow's nest virginia was in distress travers daniel shocked that his son should marry before entering on his profession or even reaching his majority insisted on a postponement the son gave a score of reasons why that could not be the father became stern and wrote that the lady would wed a penniless man the young man answered that where honour was involved money weighed nothing so the young surgeon came to virginia with his bride and when his father saw the beautiful little lady his heart went out to her he set his son well up with house and office at dumfries virginia but the lady died within a year and her name only remained in our family being that of her husband's eldest daughter by his second wife margaret stone the last time i ever saw this beloved aunt jean niven crane we sat together reading the letters that passed between father and son in that affair at edinburgh the second dr gustavus brown in maryland brother of mrs thomas stone resided at rose hill near by and established there a medical school he was a devoted friend of general washington and there is a tradition that the general occasionally escaped from the throng at mount vernon by going down the river to rose hill my mother told me of her grand-uncle's night ride when a messenger from mount vernon summoned him to attend washington in his last illness two horses were broken down in that gallop to the landing opposite mount vernon where he arrived seven hours before washington's death the general who had escaped guns and swords in a seven years war succumbed to the lancet so dr gustavus brown believed and wrote january second eighteen hundred to dr craik washington's family physician that he thought their bleeding the sufferer was a fatal mistake thenceforth he discarded the lancet altogether my paternal great-grandparents dr valentine peyton and mary butler washington his wife resided at tusculum several miles from stafford courthouse and their home was famous for its luxurious hospitalities and festivities the history of the peyton family both in england and virginia is told in the work of mr chester waters the chesters of Cheekerley. dr peyton was a brilliant man intellectually a man of the world 
a fine flute-player and his wife distinguished for her wit and her elegance of dress and manners she was the sister of colonel william washington who during the revolution declined the title of general saying quote, there can be but one general washington Close quote. their father was bailey washington son of henry who was son of john the brother of general washington's grandfather lawrence george washington's great-grandfather was thus mrs peyton's great-great-grandfather general washington appointed colonel william washington commander of the entire south when war with france was expected sir francis galton's work on heredity put before me in a new form the catechetical question who made you only when i was beginning to turn gray was any curiosity awakened in me to know how it was that i should carry the names of three large families into association with religious and political heresies unknown to my contemporary virginians except as distant horrors who then made me when my unorthodoxy began to be conscious i reflected on an incident that occurred when i was about twelve i was at the house of john wheatley of wheatleyville culpeper county virginia whose wife was grandmother conway's sister when my grandparents came on a visit to my grandfather john moncure conway everybody looked up he was a scholar graduate of william and mary eighteen hundred and a serious man while reading on the veranda my ear caught these words spoken by grandfather to his brother-in-law i cannot believe that the father of mankind would send any human being into this world knowing that he would be damned i hardly appreciate the remark but it was marked in my memory and also the silence of devout uncle wheatley from this time i knew that in some way grandfather conway had a religion different from that of others he and grandmother never talked to me about religion nor about keeping the sabbath and saying my prayers although a vestryman of akia church unused during his latter years he attended no church nor were he and grandmother ever confirmed there was methodist preaching in the courthouse every sunday but grandfather never attended and generally passed the morning in his office in seventeen fifty one dennis conway deputy sheriff of northumberland county virginia was fined several thousand pounds of tobacco for non-attendance at church he gave no explanation for his abstention probably he was one of those broad churchmen who preferred getting their sunday instruction from the free-thinking prelates tillotson and jeremy taylor although dean swift was the only survivor into the eighteenth century of that grand race of clergymen in england it found a nest in william and mary college virginia the rationalists were known as the illuminati and although after the revolution their light was hid under the democratic bushel even in my time alas had i known it there remained some representatives of the illuminati such as grandfather conway i have found too that my maternal forebears 
the Daniels, were not all orthodox. My mother's uncle, Walter Daniel, left a Bible in which there is in his writing a marginal note to Judges chapter 1 verse 19. The Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the hill country. For he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. Uncle Walter adds, Not omnipotent after all. My great-great-grandfather, John Moncure, for twenty-six years rector of our parish, Overwarton, died in 1765, but left his legend, which lasted over a hundred years. Descended, according to a tradition, from a Huguenot, whose conscience led him from joyous France to the bleak hills of Calvinism and Scotland, he migrated to Virginia in youth as a teacher, and though he was persuaded by an aged parson, Alexander Scott, to return to England for holy orders and help him in Overwarton Parish, John could never make himself other than a merry fox-hunting gentleman, assiduous cultivator of literature, flowers, and of gay young people. He was a famous whist-player. One Saturday evening, when his game was interrupted by a deputation of farmers requesting that he would next day pray for rain, he promptly said, Yes, I'll read the prayer, but it isn't going to rain till the moon changes. Can I not pick my skeptical soul out of these old people? I came also by my anti-slavery principles fairly. My great-grandfather, Travers Daniel of Crow's Nest, presiding justice of Stafford County, was an ardent emancipationist, and had not the laws of Virginia hampered the manumission of negroes in various ways, he would have liberated his slaves. He imported from England, in his ship The Crow, whence Crow's Nest, name of his house, window curtains representing Granville Sharp, striking chains from negroes, and displayed them around his house. Neighbors warned him that his slaves would be excited by the curtains and leave him, but he simply replied that it would be a relief. He died in 1824 my mother remembered the curtains. Travers Daniel and General Wood married daughters of Reverend John Moncure, who, no doubt, had the sympathy of their father-in-law in, in anti-slavery work. General Wood was an eminent governor of Virginia, and from 1798 president of the Virginia Society for Promoting the Abolition of Slavery and Protecting Those Illegally Held in Bondage this society was affiliated with the original society formed in philadelphia under the presidency of franklin just after publication march eighth seventeen seventy five of thomas paine's plea for immediate emancipation such was my prenatal constitution i was born of people opposed to slavery and when in my twenty-second year my role seemed to many Virginians that of a prodigal son. It was the new pro-slavery Virginian who was the prodigal, while my part was that of the father at home mourning for the wanderer. Our patriarchal, Peter Humstead, 
who had belonged to my mother's father, was never weary of telling me of the frightful blizzard on my birthnight, when, between midnight and morning, he rode the fifteen miles to Falmouth and the same distance back with the doctor. My mother told me that it was for a time doubtful whether I would live. There was not one Catholic in the county to ascribe my preservation to birth on the day of St. Patrick but probably no catholic country witnessed in the same year eighteen thirty two a wilder outbreak of popular superstition than that which throughout our county responded to the memorable display of shooting stars the ignorant people leaped with notable unanimity to the belief that judgment day was at hand and crowded to the door of every discoverable preacher imploring intercession and prayers. End of chapter 1